parish orphans and retrogrades. Today, we have exciting news on the front of President Trump's nomination. That should be coming along in an hour or two. Also, I want to not leave behind the important topic of this past summer of Black Lives Matter. It has emerged that Black Lives Matter is not only a Marxist organization, which I've talked to you a fair amount about, not only a terrorist organization, which I've talked a fair amount about because I got fired for it back in early June, but it's also a satanic organization. It has seance, witchcraft, satanic roots, as admitted by its three founders, particularly Kalors. And today I talked to my friend Dan Burke, formerly an executive at EWTN, about this startling development that's only really come to light over the last couple of weeks, the satanic witchcraft roots of Black Lives Matter. It's a great show. It's a great interview. It's coming to you right now. I also wanted to, in honor of President Trump's announcement today and ending Roe versus Wade, bring to you an amazing deal. If you go to www makeabortionilegalagain.com and you give the discount code retrograde you can get one of these amazing hats that I'm wearing for a discounted price that is make uh, makeabortionilegalagain.com it's a great hat it's a great thing to wear in this last month as we approach 30 days and under until the election to support not only president trump but whomever his Supreme Court pick may be, because the big game is ending Roe versus Wade, illegalizing abortion, making all involved in the transaction of abortions criminals, because that's what they are. And we should make it really clear, the pro-life movement has been infiltrated by ninnies and by those who want to compromise with the other side, those who want to make abortion seem not that bad or not the fault of all the villains involved. It is an anti-abortion movement. Anyone associated with an abortion is a villain. And we want to end it, end this child murder scheme, infanticide. www.makeabortionilegalagain.com Okay, now I bring to you my interview of my good friend Dan Burke. Today on this historic day, when in just a couple of hours, President Trump is going to make official his uh, nomination. And we'll see how things unfold as this wacky September 2020 turns to October. What's the October surprise going to be? We've already had several in this election year. God bless you. God bless America. Peace. Welcome, Parish Orphans and Retrogrades, to another Rules for Retrogrades. Today I'm joined by my friend, an author named Dan Burke. You've met him before. Dan's a friend to this show and to good Catholics of good standing everywhere, formerly of EWTN. Dan, how are you? I want to discuss your article with you today. How the heck are uh, you? I'm great, Tim, and grateful for all the good work you're doing out there. We, we talked a little bit off air before, and uh, you're doing important work and lifting up the truth, and I am grateful for you and a new generation of Catholic leaders that you're part of, and so it's always fun to be with you. Thanks. Thanks so much, Dan. And by the way, we talked for 40 minutes before starting to shoot, which is what you do when you interview friends rather than strangers, and then and then the, mo the whole morning's gone. But I felt like a sap because I went down to get my coffee right before rolling, and I've forgotten to ask, how, how's, how's your health? How are your lungs and your re continued recovery from COVID? Good? I'm actually healthier. I'm, you know, I, I'm on the edge of a, you know, serious problems always with my health. Right. Uh, which is good for me spiritually, I think. But, uh, but I am actually healthier than I was before I got COVID. So uh, many know that I had to, you know, I quit my job with EWTN in part because my health had been in decline for three years. And um, it was just not getting better, so I had to do something dramatic. So, and then I got COVID. So, it, was, uh, it, it didn't quite work out of the gate, but I think it is working longer term. So, that's yeah. Did, but did, did no no weird uh, relapses or or side symptoms that show up three months after recovery or anything? 
No, I mean, you know, the long-term thing was weird, was brain swelling. You know, I, I don't remember if I talked to you about it, but it, it was like one Thursday. And I remember it was Thursday because the lights went on and I remembered everything I had to do that I wasn't doing. And so I knew I thought, oh, okay, I'm going to be okay, you know. But that was just uh, two or three weeks after I got out of the hospital. Uh, now I'm great. You know, I'm, 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 I'm in better shape than I was then and, and I'm, you know, walking every day and you know so all is well good. thanks for asking good that's good well that daily walking particularly if done with the family or the wife can just be a real i find particularly after dinner i mean people yeah. out there it sounds sounds kind of banal to talk about something like this but after <laughs> dinner walks are bizarrely enlivening even yeah. even it doesn't matter young middle-aged whatever i before we left california we were doing, we'd pledged to do it daily and we were like religious about it just to do it an after dinner walk with all six kids to something called the marketplace in our town it was five miles. And it took us like two hours with the, the, the two, the stroller and the wheelchair, but every day of the summer until we left California, it's just something, something's really, it puts everyone in a good mood and we'd pray our rosary on the walk. I, it's just yeah, really, it's that. really healthy. Yeah. We do the same thing. By the way, how's your daughter doing? We didn't talk about that. Abby's great. She's great. She hasn't had one seizure. Everyone, I, I probably should update people more often. Not one seizure. She was having 35 to 45 a day before yeah. she had the hemispherectomy. And uh -huh. ever since then, not one. I mean, which was the point of the surgery. She was on all kinds of anti-seizural meds, which are not good for the health long term but they weren't even working she was having what they call breakthrough seizures that's why we had that on april the 6th and yeah not one so thanks thanks for bringing that up well and i in in that context i'd ask you and your listeners to pray for a little guy named jacob he's seven years old friend of our uh, uh nephew of a good friend who's uh in pq for uh, seizures neurological issues 12 hours of seizure activity yesterday as of yesterday so if you could pray for that, and I know you, since you feel it as you pray it, it's much more, you know, powerful. No doubt. Do they know the, uh, well, yeah, I'll pray for them. I was going to say ideologically, yeah. do they, do they understand what's going on? I don't think so. I mean, 12 hours without being able to stop it is quite a, you know, as you know, that's, that's rough. God bless him. Little, little Jacob, we yeah. will definitely pray for him. Well, so, okay. So I brought you on today because... I wanted to talk to you about your September the 8th article last week on crisis called The Occult Spirituality of Black Lives Matter, which is a yeah. fact that emerged sometime in the week before that, that the Black Lives Matter, Patrice Kohler's, they actually have like seances to effectuate their ends. What, it's a good, good article. Everyone should go read it. I'll link it in the, the show notes. Yeah, I mean, it was it's it's pretty uh, shocking now in terms of kind of the way that business is done in that context. It doesn't surprise me that there was some occult uh, heart to the whole thing because of the destructive nature. And, and just to be clear, out of the gate, uh, both of us agree that racism is a bad thing and, and shouldn't exist. Right. But the, the question that we're addressing today is how do you solve that? Uh, what what is it? Is it, is it, you know, how does it manifest? If it manifests, how do you solve it? But in this case, uh, in terms of Patrice Colors, uh, and she was having a conversation with Medina Abdullah. So Patrice Colors is the director of Black Lives Matter Global Network, and, and uh, Med, uh, Melina, I'm sorry, Abdullah, is the co-founder of Black Lives Matter Los Angeles. And they were in a video, and this is not an interpretation, okay, what we're talking about here. No, this, no. And, and their video isn't like some secret thing. They're just out publicly in an interview talking about their spirituality. So you and I aren't, you know, we're, there's no cloak and dagger here. Uh, there's no weird stuff. It's just, it's out there. You can see it. I put it in the article. And in the article, I have, a, a of course, a video of a couple of uh, evangelicals talking about the issues uh, in, in both black commentators and expressing concerns. But basically, uh, they're conjuring up demons. Now, uh, how are they doing that? Well, they're, they're first uh, Patrice lays the foundation of well, they 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 give offerings like so, uh, tobacco, honey. She says um, to those who are dead. 
So that's where, you know, Tim used the idea of a seance or whatever. It's, it's giving homage to the dead as if they're, you know, spirits to be worshipped or appeased or, or whatever. And that's, that's the kind of, that's the genre of spiritual, spirituality we're talking about. And she says, Patrice says, and this is a direct quote, it's important that we be in direct relationship with the dead. Now, <laughs> in the community of saints, which is people who are in, you know, uh, uh, people who are in heaven, or in or in purgatory, these people are are redeemed by Jesus, and uh, of course we have a relationship with them because of that reality. Right. But, but but in this case, this is more this is closer to necromancy, or you know, right. uh, uh, you know, a much more nefarious, dark kind of spirituality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you said that. It's not your interpretation or my interpretation. Anyone that watched the. Um, Young Protestant man, Mr. Washington, I think, was his name. That He's the one that did the first video that I saw exposing the occult roots of, of Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. or really, really, uh, actually a, a Protestant black guy who yeah. seems, based in red pill, to say the least, did an excellent video on it. And I, I, you know, I could believe it. It's, it's not too far afield from what you'd expect. But the important point here is it's bona fide demonic spiritual activity right i yeah. mean that, that's that's important and i'll say this you know i ran the article so i've had some experience with exorcism and deliverance ministry a lot more than the average lay person in fact way more but i did run it by uh uh father chad ripperger who's a prominent he's the most prominent exorcist probably of our time uh, yeah. living and he's and he's the founder of a new order just dedicated to exorcism just to make sure I'm saying it all right. And he said, yeah, you got it right. But basically, this is the idea. When you conjure or, or give homage to the dead, um, what you think you're doing is different than what may actually be happening, right? So I don't think, the, I don't think Patrice Coulours or, or Melina are looking to conjure demons. But the end result is the, the dead who are in hell or, or wherever they are, in this kind of context, uh, are, and I'm not assuming either, but in this kind of context, when you do it the way they're doing it, what is going to respond, if there is a response, is a demon, not the actual person. So they don't even know the fire they're playing with, but certainly when they, when they shout out, say the name, say the name, it is so, I mean, it, it, it actually gives me chills because... You know, I've been in exorcisms. I know the spiritual import of calling upon the dead and seeing what happens when it, when they actually respond. They don't always respond, God be praised. But when they do respond, wow, are you unleashing a, a, a terror and a power that you don't want to mess with. But in this case, they're, they're unleashing that power. And, and I've got to believe in some ways it's effectual. Uh, because of the the growth and the effectiveness of the of their movement, uh, in terms of their ends, I'm not saying effectiveness in a good judgment uh, is certainly uh, evident by the amount of money they're raising, by the amount of right. hell they're raising, literally and figuratively, and uh, you know. So you, and and here's the deal. This is why I wrote it. There are Catholics who who are in 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 without thinking, right? So. Let's let's give it the best read. Uh, you and I both disagree with any racism in any form, and every Catholic should hold that position, right? So, so then we, but we have Catholic and prominent Catholics, you know, bending the knee and all, all in alignment with an occultic organization. That is, you, you do not. If you're trying to solve a problem, Tim, I think you and I agree. Uh, walking beside demons or conjuring demons to do it is really a bad a bad idea. And there's no way a Catholic can be involved in this or an evangelical Christian, which the video, you know, the, the guy, Tommy, says, I love it. He, he just is really energetic. He says, Christians, wake the hell up. How much more? This is his quote. How much more evident you, than do you need? It's right. I in know. She I know. That every time she shares a hashtag, it's a conjuring of a demon. So anyway, our, our conjuring in, in our terms, it's demonic. A couple things. Firstly, would you mind saying a couple brief words on what the efficacy on a specific basis, what is the effect of 
the demons when they are actually conjured? What like what have you seen? A lot of a lot of people just want to know what 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 is the frightful power that's unleashed that you've actually witnessed with your own two eyes? Uh, that's gosh, that's so difficult because I've actually experienced in my own life in my own family. Uh, God loved my mother, but she was involved in the occult, and I've I've actually seen the the demonic manifest outside of a human person, and it's it's horrifying. And it nearly wrecked me as a kid, and then I had to go through honest. And I don't talk about this much, but you asked, yeah. is I'd had to go through a kind of deliverance myself, uh, not a full blown exorcism, but certainly deliverance. Um, but I've also then in a, in a, and and I've been given permission to share this uh, because somebody's got, I've had folks get on my case about this, but I've give, been given permission. I've dealt with two cases of full blown possession and seen manifestations. And I've actually been lifted off the floor along with three, let's see, guy on the right shoulder, guy on the left shoulder, me in the center, lifted off the floor by somebody in their 70s who could barely walk outside of the exorcism. So it's wow. it's it's a horrifying, I mean, it's, you know, you, you think, oh, well, then are the movies right? Like, is the exorcism right or the right, you know, with Anthony Hopkins, that, that movie? The answer is in some cases, yes, uh, it's horrifying, and for the victims, I have to tell you, it is it is uh, torture of the absolute worst imaginable kind of torture that a person can endure when they're possessed. So, yeah, the power is real. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I've been oppressed by it and freed, and then I've worked on the other end with exorcist to free uh, a victim of a black mass, you know, of uh, Satanism. Wow, that's powerful stuff. Now, we, we, of course, you and I agree 100% racism in all its forms is evil. Where we might apply it differently is I, I say that's why I oppose Black Lives Matter. Even before I found out they were a cult organization, I knew they were Marxist, and I knew they were a racist organization. Or at least I, I, would, I would make the argument that they are, so as not to beg the question. And I, uh, one other thing that you said that I, that I think is interesting to unpack were maybe we're pushing back uh, a little bit, which makes for good convo, is I think that, anyway, since 2016, since this time of the year, Dan, 2016, when the occult roots of the Hillary Clinton campaign were coming out with the Podestas, yeah. with their, their strong connections to, everyone go look at John and Tony Podesta's art collection, uh, Google it. Their their chandelier is um, the convo the, the the mangled body. It's a replica of Jeffrey Dahmer's first victim in in like the the entree to their house. And then with Marina Abramovich, which arguably the connection that she has to Hillary Clinton to the Podestas, the spirit cooking. That's arguably why we got President Trump. Thank goodness, as that came out in the WikiLeaks dump right before. I never knew the efficacy of political efficacy of the demonic stuff, but the left seems to have known it for a while. They've been up for a while, as as they say. And so I I'm not so sure that Colors and the other BLM founders are like dabbling like a kid with his dad's gun naively in something they don't understand. I I, I think they might understand it. I mean I. The John Podesta and Hillary Clinton and all the demonic people in the Clinton campaign, they definitely understood what a spirit cooking was before 2016, and I didn't even know what that was. You know what yeah, I mean? it's hard, of course, you know, it's, we to judge what's going on interiorly in a person, but certainly I think we can make some blanket statements that any kind of movement which seeks to uh, emancipate the rights or, or remove the rights of an individual and suppress them to this larger thing is always going to have uh, some kind of demonic element. Uh, but when the, the freedom of the will is honored, uh, to agree or disagree, by the way, you, you probably uh, are working more closely to the Spirit of God. And so uh, socialism in, in any form, communism in any form, they all oppress the individual ultimately, even though they claim liberation, the liberation comes at a, the price of an oppression, you know, which is a weird kind of uh, duality there that uh, is, is problematic. So 
so I, you know, uh, how how much do they really know and understand? I mean, listen, I don't think if they if they had ever been in an exorcism and seen what I've seen on the other end, they would choose this or or want it. Um, because what the enemy does is he promises people, hey, I'll, I'll help you, and 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 they don't know who they're talking to, and they go well, I need help. And so, yeah, okay, well, what? Okay, but you have to do this. Okay, I'll do that. And then you you enter into it. And I just, I, it's hard for me to conceive of anyone who would enter into that knowing what I know happens to people on the other end or any exorcist knows what happens to people on the other end. Because essentially what the enemy does is he's using them and he's giving them something for a while but as soon as as soon as their per, is the enemy's purposes are met in the person he's totally happy to absolutely destroy that person and just obliterate them and torture them for all of eternity you know so it's not like it, it, it's i just don't think you know they're fully culpable in the sense of knowing all of that and going yeah i want to be tortured for all eternity but i i'm going to do it i'm good with that for the temporal benefits however you know i do think uh, it, living in a, if if you go to a biblical context, Romans twelve one, Saint Paul reveals that that by the Holy Spirit that creation itself is sufficient revelation for a person to come to the knowledge of God and also to be to judge for that knowledge. So it is true in that sense that we're all always culpable to some degree, and of course that's why hell exists um, for yep. the for dealing with that, but. Uh, you know, in a practical sense, it's hard to, it's hard for me to go, yeah, they know exactly what they're doing, you know? Yeah, well, the question at law that's always difficult is, actus re condemnable actus reus, the bad act, but with a culpable mens rea, a culpable state of mind, it's always difficult to say, did this person act with she and tear? There are, luckily, there are ways of, of doing it. That's not what we're after here. I'm just saying, in general, and I didn't mean to condemn any one individual because then you have to get into individual facts. But what I will say that I think you'll agree with is in the last five years, and you know much more about this than I do, or most Catholics do, the 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 dark side of the, the demonology and all that, especially for a layman, you know much you know much more than most Catholic priests. But for me, the last five years, I've come to see like kind of like if you're a kid and you went to a slumber party and you wake, you're the last person to wake up. I was always the last one to fall asleep at slumber <laughs> parties, so I was the last one to wake up. So this is a familiar image. You wake up and something's already going on in the room. The other the other boys are, you know, getting into that day's mischief, and it's kind of the middle. You you wake up mid story, you know, and medias rest. That's kind of how I felt when I found out about all of the the radical left's connection to the demonic like the oh they know the script i mean they know at least ostensibly the skeletal structure they know unlike a lot of secular uh, conservatives and a lot of a lot of conservatives in general they know this stuff is efficacious the the right. demonology a lot of conservatives who aside from just religious conservatives which is actually back in 2015 2016 was more a minority it's a growing majority luckily of religious conservatives a lot of people are awakened by that um right. but a lot of conservatives are like oh yeah religion oh that oh the left believes in religion and the left has been using anti-religion the demonic to gain power and maybe that's what what enlivened them and emboldened them to storm all six or seven institution wow okay so it's like we all felt like we woke up to find the world not aryan uh but but demonic the, the left seems to have known about this for a while and then you look into some of the claims some are more attenuated and tenuous than others about the the elements of the demonic that were being put into movies in the 80s and 90s and i never bought into that stuff much but you look into it with Disney and stuff, subliminals. Oh, yeah. So it looks like they know what they're doing, right? I mean, it, they, they've been up for a while, even if the individual, some individual leftists might be playing with fire they don't fully understand. Yeah, it's, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 somewhat institutionalized. And it's, it's fueled by that, whether they know it or not, and then they're led into it. The tough part is, is we're no longer in a Christian America where you've got a kind of a clear 
message that says, hey, look out for this. This is bad. I think all of that's gone. And so when somebody like Patrice Calores says, hey, I need help beyond myself, you know, she doesn't have the check of the culture to say, well, this is a really destructive way and this is a good way. But nonetheless, they're culpable. They do use it. It's true. And, and I think even what we've seen in Hollywood with even some of these sex cults that are, right. you know, or actually like one actor is is a part of a recruiting process to bring others into a sex cult that's demonic. I mean, you know, once somebody starts to act in accordance with it and has any sense of the mechanistic aspects of it and acquiesces to it, they are fully culpable at that point. Right. Wow. Well, so, but I mean, the thing about BLM is printed right up there on, can, let's, let's, let's get to the critical, critical part of the interview. Everyone should go read Dan's article up on crisis. It's great. Uh, I'm linking to it. Um, I, Dan and I, for the record, agree about pretty much everything, all, all the nuances within Catholicism. I mean, not a hundred percent, but the way when I was reading your article, I was interested. The first, I think it's fascinating. I always love the way you weave into your writing autobiographical threads that that um, keep keep it really interesting. You don't dwell too much on those. I, I enjoy your writing a lot. But when you were saying you open up with the line, "Black lives do matter." Period. And and you asked me, you're like, "Oh, do you, do you disagree with that?" I'm like, "Of course not, man. Of course not. In no way do I." But at, at times, when I was reading the first, second paragraph, it's almost like, in 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 your article, it's almost as if we we didn't know that. Also on their website, aside from the fact that they're espousing some benign stuff, some innocuous stuff that you pretty much, like Michael Knowles says, like no, nobody doesn't think that. I mean, everyone you have to say, well, Black Lives Matter. It's just everybody else's life matter too. There's a the fact that they that they're big supporters of real racism, right? B, they're also big supporters on their website of the idea that they want to destroy the Western nuclear family. So I, I that's, you know that, you get that, you go against that, obviously, even though it doesn't appear in your article. I just want to put that out there to, to credit you. you. You hate that. Yeah. No, of course. I mean, and I, I didn't say Black Lives Matter, period. I said black lives do matter, period. I'm very specific <laughs> with the language yeah. I use. Yeah. Because what's clever when I'm not supporting the institution when I say that, but I am supporting anyone who ever experiences racism on any level, which I'm totally against. And, you know, um, as I mentioned in the article, I didn't, you know, say exactly how, but my family has paid some price for for being a part of countering racism in our context. And I believe, and I know, and I, I can say this of you, if you and I were, were standing together and we saw a, a black kid being picked on by some, you know, larger white kids, we wouldn't just stand there and go, you know, oh, bummer for that black kid. We would jump in and say, hey, you know, uh, knock it off. We it, So if there's any uh, tangible expression of racism that you and I can control. This is a key issue. We would always fight it, right? Hundred percent. But, but what this movement does is it is it proclaims on a on a level of Gnosticism, really, uh, that there it's it's ubiquitous. It, everyone, every white person is a racist. Period. No matter whether they know it or not, or believe it or not, and even if they reject racism, and especially if they say they're not. <laughs> you know, so it's really a very confused uh, a world because I and I'm conflicted because I have experience, as I put in my article, my stepfather was a racist. He was a really bad dude. He fired a gun in our home. He beat my mother. He terrorized us kids. And uh, so, it, you know, it's real. Right. Uh, the question, though, of its in, the institutional nature of it is really the, the issue at, at hand. And, and Black Lives Matter, the, the organization says it's, you know, it's it proclaimed all of those things I noted a minute ago. And I don't agree with that. And I think you don't agree either. Um, I think a better question for a Catholic is, how, is where, where does racism occur and how can we mitigate it? Um, on an individual basis, and we should do that. And, and we and, and my wife and I do that 
uh, as best we can where we, where it appears in our lives, and we have. But I think I think the the uh, if I could jump in, Dan, I think the way the the only real tell for a how do you spot a racist, which is like the big question. America's obsessed with race. It's platonic. It's not Aristotelian. It's in the form of right. the forms of racism rather than the the matter. And normally that's not what people expect to hear me say because I'm Aristotelian, not not platonic in my approach to almost everything. But you have to you have to if you want to know if someone's a racist, you have to ask them precisely your hypothetical. Like, okay, what if what if you know we we see some some white kids picking on a black kid? Yeah, 100%, not just, not you know, you intervene physically and, and put your put yourself at risk to do so. That, okay, so not a racist, right? The idea of institutional racism, if we're going to talk about it, we have to bracket it and say, this is what I said to my close friend after I got fired, who's, who's a, a talented black guy in my, my home, and he was, he's a little perturbed about, you know, my face appearing on the front page of the paper for criticizing Black Lives Matter when I guess people had forgotten from 2017, 2018, 2019 that they are a terrorist organization, an anti-white racist organization. And so we have this talk and I was like, that's fine. He, 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 what I don't understand is when people say, yes, like we get that that basically all trappings of white against black racism are gone to the five senses. But you have to use like your spidey sense and you see <laughs> institutional racism. That's just it, people my age and below are like, no, I mean, there, there's racism. Like Charles Barkley says, Charles Barkley says the, the most of the racism he's ever seen is black and white. And that that rings very true for people my age and below. I, I don't think I've ever known a legitimate white racist that would answer my, my platonic forms question in the negative. I have known several black people would say, no, I'm not going to help. I'm not going to help out a white boy. I mean, look what, look what, um, because kind of like in the 1800s and the early 1900s, there were real white racists and they were allowed to get away with it by the institutions. Now they're mainly real black racists and the institutions allow them to get uh, away with it. Look at what happened with Montrezl Harris of the LA Clippers and the best player in the NBA, Luka Doncic, who's a white guy. Montrezl Harris called him a bitch ass white boy, and everyone in the NBA was saying, "Oh, he shouldn't have said that." But it, it was it might have sounded racist, but it wasn't racism, is what Kenny Smith was saying, which is, in, in, you know, non intelligible. And the only one that was sensible was Charles Barkley. He's like, "This is reprehensible. This is reprehensible, and this it's also typical." The only racism we really see without getting into the institutional ethereal nonsense which i don't think bears out people my age and below is black against white racism never seen other way around but at the same time we have to acknowledge that people not that much older than us like my parents generation your generation dan lived during segregation you were a little kid during segregation so if anything that points out how fast racism reversed course not only neutralized but reversed course in terms of the the popular expressions of racism in america it went from strongly white against black to strongly black against white what do you think right. of that well i think it's true i mean I, you you know the the generation before me for instance i go to the cathedral in birmingham alabama and there's a famous priest father coyle there who actually ma uh, married a biracial couple and was murdered for it and uh, the and the murderer was acquitted because because I, you know for whatever reason it was it was like it's cool you did a bad thing you married a, a a biracial couple right so he was murdered right with a gun right <laughs> and but he was but his murderer <laughs> right so so uh, so that's that period and of course for 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 that to occur it had to be true the, the courts were institutionally racist at that time sure in that in in of course in that area you're just not you know and and people could argue and say well it it's still happening now but i mean if you look at the data uh, of you know you're more likely to get killed or or damaged and my son is was a cop by if you're white than if you're black now 
every but that it, here's the difficult part in this conversation it's why i began my piece with black lives do matter yeah is that is that when people hear us say these things they they think well then you must think it was okay that george floyd you know uh was suffer you know it was killed it's like no we don't think that's okay or if somebody says well you know george was pretty uh difficult before that and it's what led up to it like that justifies murder no it doesn't justify nobody ever getting hurt or killed because of the color of their skin if if that's the case i'm not saying it was with george george i i don't know the the heart of the the cop we would say it's always bad but but the question is 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 it institutional and you know and if it's institutional what do you do about it i I can't deal with that. When you're talking about platonic versus Aristotelian, just like to bring it down to a really practical level, if I can't see it, like the the analogy I gave with the black kid getting picked on the white kids, I can't deal with it, and and I I can't be held accountable to it. But if I see it and I don't deal with it, then maybe you can hold me accountable as a racist. But you know that's not that's not where I'm at. It's not where you're at. No, of course not. But, but here's here's my point. I, I don't think this is. I don't. I don't think you disagree. When in our hypo of of me and you taking a an after dinner stroll or whatever, and we see yeah. a group of this is like what what every every white person in America wants. They want to white knight and and help out a black kid getting picked on a bunch of white kids. When you see that you will hear the epithets you will hear that the taunt, taunts is uh, not strong enough term you'll hear the the hateful language and so which will substitute which will make nicely the case of the prosecutor this is their culpable mens rea these were kids they weren't just picking on this kid because he's kind of a dweeb you know the way they might pick on a white dweeb but they they're picking on him because he's black you hear all the statements if you're there for 2 seconds Right. The problem with the problem with the institutional race theory, there are a few, right? Because even even you know the people I know that have debated on on the other side, not not like you, they're actually saying no. This really is a big problem still. Even they admit, okay, capital R racism, where it's just black, white people are in the Overton window, allowed to just be openly anti-black. That's dead. So I'm like, okay, so it's it's call it a, a racism equivalent what you're arguing for and even then I'll, I'll i think i can prove that it's wrong institutional racism put it in brackets because if it's outside the overton window the window of acceptability social acceptability it's outside the window how, how can there be institutional racism well that's and how even, you get a black president right, right. That, that's true <laughs> that's how you get a black president that's how it's it's so much easier by objective standards for a black guy of equivalent intelligence and grades and merit to get into a an undergrad program or a grad program than a white guy. There, there is black privilege in our nation now. It's undeniable. It's the only allowance under the 14th Amendment at law of race-based preferencing is to allow black people with lower standards into higher schools, affirmative action. So, it, I mean, it is black privilege. It's not uh, theoretical. Even, even when you said, well, in the South, this this pretty obvious evidence of real white against black racism. Yes, but that's juries. Uh, even then, the, the juries are supposed to represent the people. Those people on the jury were racist. You know, James Madison said, even if every citizen's a Socrates, every jury is still a mob. Um, and that that proves it quite well. But I would say this. How come all of the three or four cases that the Soros Marxists have used to divide America along racial lines this odd, odd summer, which is now coming to a close. How come all of them were like violent black criminals or or violent black criminals who were getting underway at the beginning of their, yeah. I mean, Anton Arbery, um, you know, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, whatever, they, they were all, I mean, Anton Arbery had brought a gun to school and was clearly casing a neighborhood to rob. Uh, George Floyd had like done armed robbery, he jammed a gun in a woman's stomach. So that doesn't, that's not a strong first opening fact. Even if the cop in any of those cases or the concerned citizens against Anton Arbery 
had said a racial slur because they were really undertaking a crime, an actual crime, and because the cops roll up with she and tear, they know this guy's rap sheet in many states. That they have a, a, a prejudice that's built in that's not an unfair prejudice. They know this is a felon, right? So how come even then the cops were all so restrained for so long? And how come there's no evidence of any of these cops or private citizens anywhere on social media, not a whiff, not a corpuscle of one racist joke, none of them even liked the alt-right or anything like that. None of them even read the alt-right secular or Catholic thinkers, and there are some, you know? Right. That, that's the basic difficulty for that theorem. Right. Yeah, I mean, we're on the same page, you know? I mean, I, I live next door to an awesome black couple, in fact, on two sides, one former New Orleans Saint guy, the other uh, an attorney, and then also, uh, you know, someone who's head of a medical association. And, and so, yeah, none of these were those folks, right? You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a black lawyer who was going to the store to right. get groceries for his family. It was, you know, as folks involved in criminal activity. And so now it's still, Still, they should be treated uh, appropriately under law and, and with appropriate levels of uh, uh, of intensity with respect to their resistance to uh, legal restraint. Sure. But and they still they shouldn't die if they don't need if 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 they're not pointing a gun at your head they they shouldn't die. So that George Floyd shouldn't have died, you know. But uh, except for his health problems and all the health yeah. problems. No, I I never supported. Uh, whatever that that officer uh, with the the Cajun name, I always forget his name, uh, Chauvin. I never supported him. Like, but until later in the summer, where it's like, oh, it it turns out, you know, the other coroners saying that George Floyd died probably because of all of the drugs in his system, which yeah, which caused as right, a main sure. effect shortness right. of breath. But, but I don't. You, I know you're going to agree with this. Yes. But you don't need to kneel on the dude's neck to, to restrain him. He's no longer a threat if he's got, you know. So, and my son was a cop. You know, they all the cops have, as you know, this sort of rising level of, uh, they're supposed to match the level of, of their aggression with the threat, right? If right. someone's subdued, <laughs> you're done, right? Stop, stop. You, you don't have to keep exerting the force anymore and there's three cops there i mean whatever the number was there's no longer any danger get off his neck and and you sure. know he's culpable in, in many ways uh for all this this junk that's happened as a result because of that egregious behavior but so we agree you know i don't think we disagree on any of this i think no. we're we're from different uh we're from different generations right i i went to high uh, junior high where the entire school lined up black, white to fight. But I wouldn't have any part of that because I'm just like, I don't have a beef against those. You know, I just think anyone who's going to fight white or black, you're, you're both idiots. I, you know, so I, so I bolted and, you know, was hoping it didn't, it didn't come to blows. But the, here's the issue in the end, I think, for, for us. You and I are Catholics and we're trying to help Catholics think about this. Bottom line is all racism is bad and should be fought against as it manifests. We both agree with that in the sense that when you can see it like the kid on the street, the black kid who's being bought, every every Catholic should agree that shouldn't happen and we should fight against that. Second, um, we cannot align ourselves with institutions that belie have beliefs or means that are contrary to Catholic teaching, socialism, communism. You cannot be Catholic and support those those ideologies, okay? Now, third, if they're conjuring demons, run, okay? <laughs> run, right, right? Go find another group to align with. It, let's say you agree, you disagree with Tim and I, and you believe that there is there is a culture, you know, systematic racism. Fine, align yourself with a group that deals with those in a Catholic way, Using right, Catholic right. means means, and what does that mean? Means that are acceptable to our founder, which is Jesus Christ, to our God, to our values, to our virtues, and dealt with in a way that's constructive for all involved, 
And they don't suppress one group over another, but instead what they do is they say all people are made in the image of God and right. therefore worthy of being treated with dignity and respect. So that's, Tim and I agree, I think, Tim, on, on all of that, and that was the point of my article, is that you cannot be Catholic and align with these kinds of institutions, period. Right. This is a good article. People should all go go read it. And generational uh, applications of our a- agreeing proposition aside, like, I will make this concession, okay? So here, here, here it is. Well, I mean, we're, we're agreeing anyway. But the one thing that did surprise me over the last two to three years, I said four to five years ago, I was learning, holy cow, the left really knows to use, you know, demonology. That's weird. Right. The last two to three years since I've been making videos, what I have learned is that the alt-right is an actual thing. The left media, the MSM, the mainstream media lies so frequently and it mislabels so many real conservatives that are totally just good paleo cons alt-right anymore. Anyone that's not a neocon, which isn't even conservative, they label alt-right. So I thought the alt-right was a myth until I got into making videos and I saw inside the Catholic world and in the secular world, there is a real alt-right. Now, I'm, I, I, you know, one of, one of the people that I credit for helping me out at the very beginning was Milo. And Milo is not alt-right at all. He, he's not. He's a, totally anti-racism in, like, all its forms. So that, it's, the, guy's got, um, the guy's got flaws, like all of us do. But, but racism is not one of them. So the, the fact that Milo was always being called an alt-writer and Ann Coulter's being called an alt-writer, ridiculous. And all, all these people, I just assumed that alt-right was another accretion, fabrication of the sure. left or a, another epithet for conservatives. No, it's real. It really is real. Holy cow. I, I didn't know until I, I'd get all of, I, I don't even want to go into all the wacky theories, but they abound, they flourish on the internet. And alt-right is not, Right. It, I mean, it is not even conservative. So right. it, it's, it's got a socialist political economy, a pagan ontology, you know, right. a neo-pagan ontology. It's very anti-Christian. In many cases, it's pro-abortion and uh, it's openly pro-feminine. These alt-righters are the only people that would ever call themselves right that are not radicalized like black people that are angry that would say, I wouldn't help a white boy if he was being beaten up. The only white people I've ever seen on the Internet, I've never met them. That would say that would answer that that platonic hypo in the negative. Would you help a black guy getting beat up by a bunch of white guys? Are the alt right people, and that is real. So I, I I'm I'm glad that I thought to make this addendum at the end of our talk here because that is real. I've never seen them in real life, but I've lived in Texas, California, Colorado when I was a real little kid, and Mississippi. Now never met a real life white racist, but they are out there. They have to operate outside of the Overton window, though, whereas black racists, they're allowed to operate within the Overton window. They can they run the NBA. They run Black Lives Matter is an anti-white organization. So there you have it. I don't know. Any any closing thoughts, Dan? No. uh, Well, yeah. One closing thought. If if, back to the most essential aspects of all of this. Yeah. What does it mean to be Catholic and face all of this? Um, there is a real demonic element where there's a real battle going on for our culture, for our minds and our hearts. Uh, there are real problems, but we as Catholics have to fight in a way that, that is honoring to our faith and to other individuals. we got to argue in a way that's helpful and that builds up. And, uh, uh, and if I could plug my book, I, one, you should read uh, Rules for Retrogrades, of course. But also, uh, uh, Spiritual Warfare and Discernment of Spirits, I just wrote, that's why I was asked to write this article, Spiritual Warfare and Discernment of Spirits speaks to how it is that we can, in many ways, as we assess what's going on out there, discern and listen to the voice of God, uh, not the voice of the mob, uh, regarding how we see the world and how we correspond to the world, how we pray, and I think you're doing a great job of helping people get all that right. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, we put the uh, book up there. Actually, the book is still up on the screen now. And I will put in the show. It's a great book. It's a great book. And we're going to put it in the show notes. Um, 
And man, just just a, a fantastic read. People people need to go pick up Dan books uh, Dan Burke's most recent book, Spiritual Warfare and Discernment of Spirits. Excellent, excellent stuff, and fascinating as well. I mean, I hate to admit how interesting it is for the superficial elements. Like even when I asked you, well, what have you seen? It's yeah. fascinating though. Why I'm not? Just, I'm just an honest guy. It's it's interesting yeah. stuff. Even it's it's interesting in the deeper ways that that speak to the theological truths. Right. But it's also just interesting in a Hollywood, you know, right. the right exorcist way. I'm not going to lie. It's not interesting if you've done it. I can tell you that because it's it's uh, it is pretty horrifying. But God be praised, uh, we can walk in the light, and Jesus uh, came to liberate us all and always from all of that. So thank you again for having me on, Tim. Thanks a million, Dan. It's always great to see you. Give your best to my wife, and we're going to have to get together now. We're co deep south denizens, and we we've been meaning to get to, we'll get together sometime this fall. Sounds good. All right. Peace. Thanks a million, Dan. Everyone out there, pick up Dan's book. See to the Patreon page here. Uh, it, like, subscribe, click the bell, get notifications, or else there's no point in you know, liking or subscribing. So click that notification so that you, you know when we make a new video. And God bless America. We're drawing closer and closer to the election, the fate of America. We, we know what the ultimate fate is. Augustine wrote about it. In City of God, all, all nations are doomed to die, as are their mortal denizens. But we hope to squeeze four more years out of this out of this thing. We're riding it to the top. God bless America. Dan Burke, thanks a million for being with us. Peace, everyone. Thanks. Take care.